0: bringing relevant and engaging insights to human resource and talent development professionals. This is Talent Champions with Diana Thomas, sponsored by Franklin Covey. Here is your host, Diana Thomas.
1: Welcome to another episode of Talent Champions. I'm Diana Thomas, and I'm honored to serve as your host. Today, I'm excited that our guest is Cassandra Frangos. Cassandra is the Executive Development and C-Suite Succession Advisor with Spencer Stewart. She's also the author of Crack the C-Suite Code and called the Executive Whisperer by Diversity Women's Magazine. She has a unique PhD. It's a joint program with Wharton Business School and the Graduate School of Education at the University of Pennsylvania. Welcome, Cassandra. Thank you, Diana. Happy to be here. I was thinking back to how did we meet, and I think the first time our paths crossed was I was hosting a networking event with one of our mutual friends at Hamburg University, and we had a futurist. I think it was Bob Johansson there. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I remember it very well. Yeah, I remember just being so impressed with what he brought up, and do you really think that'll come to
0: fruition? And it has. (laughs) I know. I know. It was amazing. Yeah, I was at... Cisco at the time, leading um, executive talent, and then our mutual friend, who I went to UPenn with, introduced us. And I just remember being so thankful that I was part of the conversation, and I followed Bob Johansson's work ever since, which he has a new book out now as well. So it's been fun to see all the developments in uh, both of our lives and his work and our friend's work as well. Yes,
1: absolutely. So we invited you to share some of your expertise in succession planning for C-suite roles and how to climb that ladder yourself. But before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're currently doing?
0: Yeah, so my background has been a blend of psychology and business through my undergrad, through doctoral work, which has just been so fun, and I remember at the time in undergrad, people saying, "What in the world does psychology and business have to do with each other?" And now, I mean, as as we both uh, have experienced, it's so much um, at the forefront of business where you think about what makes leaders the way they are, how did that how does that impact the way businesses are run? And so, a lot of my background has really been that mix, but. I grew up in consulting uh, where I worked for a Harvard Business School professor who was the founder of Balance Scorecard, and I was able to start a human capital practice within that firm, which I really enjoyed, worked with many companies around the world, and then really uh, pivoted into industry where I worked for a biotech and then Cisco Systems, where I had the pleasure of uh, working on executive development for the top and then ultimately worked on John Chambers' succession where he was a very iconic CEO in the tech space. And I was uh, had the privilege of working with Spencer Stewart actually through that process. I enjoyed that work so much that I uh, got recruited away to, uh, to join Spencer Stewart where I spend all my time really on assessment and development and coaching and succession planning for CEOs in the C-suite. And uh, and then also got inspired along the way to write this book. I really love what I do and just feel privileged to be able to do it.
1: Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about the book as an author. You know, you said you were inspired. Um, Tell us a little bit about the process of what inspired you. And was it um, more work than you thought it was going to be?
0: Well, as you know, Diana, as a as someone who's written a book as well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Much more work than I thought it would be, um, but also a lot of fun and a journey. But what inspired me was uh, part of my job at Cisco was to run our executive development uh, programs where it was the pipeline for future executive roles. And uh, I was part of that where we had to really be very active with the board and, of course, they own the process and manage it and really had to go in and out of those discussions and, uh, and also help John as he thought about uh, his future role. And and there was a cohort that was running and I kept running in and out and thought, oh my goodness, this, there's a few people in this cohort who could be the future leaders of Cisco. And at that moment... When the press release went out and I went back into the cohort and said, you know, this is really why I've been running in and out of this session. Uh, This is what I've been working on. They all kind of looked at me very innocently and said, well, how in the world does someone get to be CEO? And how do you think about succession? And how does somebody get to the C-suite? Now that we've had uh, succession happen at the CEO level, there's now a whole new set of C-suite executives. And so they inspired me really to write a blog to start thinking about, well, what, what are some of the things, what are the steps or what are the pathways to getting to the C-suite? And then the blog actually went um, went pretty popular. And, and then I explored the idea of writing a book on it. Wharton Digital Press was actually a newer publisher where they were really innovative and thinking about shorter, more practical, digital only books. And I really found that to be uh, someone that I would have loved to have worked with and had the privilege of being asked to to write the book. And it was just such a a fun journey and and loved it, but definitely a lot more work (laughs) than I expected (laughs) it to be. Yeah, I would ditto that, but it's
1: so wonderful as I was reading through your book and writing my book and getting feedback, is to be able to give people practical advice, things that could help them be able to improve where they are today and aspire for other positions. That's one of the things that I loved about your book. And I was sharing with you when we talked last month, I had a chance to interact with a group of younger women as part of a women's leadership symposium. And I was so excited to see how many people came to my session with a couple other leaders to talk about getting into the C-suite. So knowing that the audience was a little bit younger all female. I was wondering, would a lot of people show up? And I was just so thrilled to see the number of people, how engaged they were, how confident that they were, that they were going to end up in the C-suite. And so I had a chance to just share some of the content from your book, The Different Paths to Get to CEO. And it was just received so well. Um, So I'm sure your book sales are going to keep going up, but great information. (laughs)
0: Well, I, I, I appreciate that feedback, and it is, uh, it is inspiring to see that younger women are you know, also have their sights on that ambition to be in the C-suite, and they're really planful and thinking about how to get there. So I'm happy that you had more attendance than you thought you would. Yeah. And the other area that was exciting to
1: see is how many of them were thinking about starting their own business so I know mm-hmm. that that can be scary, but you think about you know as you're as owning and starting your own business, you get to you get to appoint yourself as the CEO. You just hope it's a long term position, you know.
0: That's right. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there was a few women that I interviewed and and men for the book where that was their pathway. They had worked for big companies and they had said, "I've got an idea that I just I can't sleep at night without pursuing this idea." and uh, there's a chapter in the book that talks about founders as their way of making it to the C-suite. And many of them have been very successful where they had an idea. They learned a lot from the companies they worked for and have very, uh, very successful entrepreneurs and founders. And, uh, and they're, they're thriving. So it's fun to see that path as even a bit of the maybe unknown, a bit scary. um, And you also need a lot of support around you. But that that can be a really viable path for many people.
1: Well, you mentioned that one, do you want to maybe touch on the other paths to get to
0: CEO that you describe in your book? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think about CEO and C-suite more broadly and, you know, the different pathways. And I really interviewed a number of different uh, C-suite executives with, uh, of course, a number of CEOs as well and just really studied their career paths. How did they get there? How did they do it? Just really listen to their story. And there was a few different ways that they did it. You know, one is the first is a tenured track, um, where I talk about in the book a chapter that outlines there's many successful executives where they built their careers at a company, and so they've been at a company for 20 years and had a number of different jobs, a number of evolutions in their own career, and and as business is changing so fast, they could be part of one company, but almost five different companies because of the pace of change and the way technology is, is changing business. So that can be very different uh, in terms of the impact on careers. And so that path does require some patience to think about, well, how do I make sure that I stick with the company and how do I make sure that I grow and evolve? But there is many C-suite executives out there today where they built their career over time being a long tenured executive. And then the other is where they do reach a certain point at a company and they say, you know, I'm going to be the number two or I don't really see a fast succession and I really would love to be the CFO as an example. And so then they decide to be a free agent and change companies and really where they may have been in a middle management job or even a few steps below the C-suite in a larger company and they become the number one position and a smaller company, that's very common. Where I work today at Spencer Stewart, which one half of the business is recruiting and the other half does what I do, where it's really around the succession assessment and development. And so a lot of times, uh, recruiters will say, there's someone who is a number two at a larger company who actually slides quickly into the number one spot when they change companies. Uh, so that's another path. Uh, and then the other is what I talked about before in terms of uh, starting your own company, a founder. And then the last one, which is a bit non traditional, which was the Cisco case of CEO succession, which is a leapfrog leader. And that's becoming more and more common. And the leapfrog leader is one where they skip over a level. So they might have been two levels below the CEO and jumped out to be the CEO or they were two levels below the C-suite and jumped up to the number one spot in the C-suite. So that is becoming more and more common, more and more of a trend. Uh, There's lots of complications that go along with that, as you would imagine, to skip over a whole level. But leapfrog uh, leaders is also another pathway. And you know what? Just to jump in, one of the
1: things I'd love for you to share, because I thought it was so impressive and it had to feel good for you, like you knew you got it right. So when you announced you know, at Cisco that you were going to move this later up and leapfrog them, can you just share what was the reaction of people in the company?
0: Yeah, it was so positive. I mean, uh, Chuck Robbins, who's now the CEO of Cisco, got a standing ovation when we announced the uh, transition. It was just so much followership, so much buy-in. He had led sales, so he had a large portion of the organization already, but Um, people really had watched him over time and some, to some he was unknown, but they really had a lot of confidence in his leadership and very inspirational. And also if you track the Cisco stock, it's done really well. Um, and so good positive market reaction as well.
1: That's great. That's wonderful. So I'm, I'm intrigued with your title of being the executive whisperer. So can you tell
0: us more about that? So that was one where I uh, I sort of blushed and maybe like hit under the table when I when they said that in <laughs> Diversity Magazine. <laughs> where, um, I, I didn't expect that that would actually be the title that they would put on the article, but when I got interviewed for the magazine and uh, told a little bit about what I did, they said, interesting. And... You know it, it was a bit of a funny story just because a lot of times as you know you do a lot of this work yourself diana but you're coaching executives you are kind of thinking about what's the next moves that they need to make as they think about their career and as they think about company or even as they work with their teams and you know you, you tend to be kind of the silent partner you're not the one out front where you would necessarily get the recognition or the credit for that particular move that an executive made or uh, anything like that. So it becomes a bit of uh, a whisper in a sense where you are having this conversation privately with an executive. And if you've made an impact on how they behave, how they act, how they lead, it's a lot of gratitude. uh, And I'm thankful that I have the chance to do that. And, you know, I got a text the other day from someone that I used to coach at Cisco. And he said, I got my SVP promotion, which at Cisco, that's a very big deal. There's not that many uh, senior vice presidents. And he said, I I feel thankful for the work we did together. And um, I I felt like I was part of his success. And I was incredibly proud and excited for him. Uh, But you're not necessarily the one out front or maybe not even that people even know that that person asked for help along the way. Yeah, that's so true.
1: And, and I tell you, if there's one reason I do what I do, it's that is yeah. feeling like you can help people behind the scenes to let them shine. And then they're so, so appreciative, like you said.
0: They are. They really are. Yeah. And it's, you know, in the C-suite and CEO in particular, it's, it can be lonely. It can be scary. It's vulnerable. It's uh You know, a lot of times if it's the first time they've ever led a team of that magnitude or a company of that size, um, it can be scary and they can't be vulnerable with everyone because their direct reports might uh, be looking for them to have the answers, which they don't always have the answers and they can't always have the answers, but um, there are kind of a select few that you could be really um, open with and and talk about the challenges. Yeah,
1: I think that's a a great way to sum that up and, and just being that thought partner. So I think about when I've had an executive coach and how I used her and then to be that thought partner for leaders who can't say, Hey, I'm a little challenged with this, or can I just talk it through with you because I have to go in and be strong and
0: confident. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I love that word also just think as a thought partner because there are just times where you don't know the answer. You just need somebody to have a you know think think through it with or think out loud and um, just really be a good listener. So the thought partner, I think, is a nice way to put it. Uh,
1: yeah. So one of the things that you know I'm hearing a lot about uh, companies needing and leaders being challenged to is to help disrupt the company culture, to change the culture, to shift it to something that will help them be successful in the future. And that's not always easy. It can be you know, large and complex uh, in a larger organization. How do you coach people to start getting their heads around what it means to really create a different culture, a, a thriving, winning culture?
0: Yeah, I think it has to certainly link to where the company's going, where the strategy's going, and then how do you think about where the culture needs to go based on that? And you know, sometimes if you're in the C-suite, you you very much are a culture carrier, if you will, or culture champion. And if you really need to play a role in disrupting that, um, it's thinking through. Well, who are the who are the people who are really willing to go with you uh, really excited about the change and and then there's always going to be a third let's say who are very resistant to change don't really want to change the culture don't really understand what's this whole disruption reinvention piece look like Uh, so it does take a lot of courage to work through that as a leader and you know set your eyes on what the future may hold back to our kind of original way we met in terms of the futurist Bob Johansson you know it's did we all think that we were going to be living with our iPhones um, so much <laughs> as we do now? And, uh, you know, if we would have shown that however many years ago, people would say we were crazy, but it's it's come true, and here we are. And so what's the next big disruption and innovation uh, where companies will have to think through how to transform and, and also evolve the culture based on that?
1: Yeah. So, kind of along those same lines is what kind of skills are needed today to truly succeed in a C-suite position?
0: I think it's a mix of things, depending on the industry, of course, depending on size of company scope, but you know there's there's always some element of of mixing uh, strategic and operational um, knowledge and skills. You can't just always get away with being the strategist. Uh, How do you make sure you execute and and vice versa? And, you know, the the number one thing that's changed is, and as I did my research, where you don't have to be the one that has all the answers, and you definitely don't have to be the one with all the skill sets. It's thinking through, well, who's your complementary person that needs to be on your team who's completely different from you, who has really an an opposite way of thinking or a skill set that's different? Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's a big part of, of today's C-suite is the way that, uh, change and disruption and technology is working. We just can't have all the answers. And so you have to have the humility and the ability to say, I just, um, I I can't know this and we're going to have to make some bets on what's the future and, uh, have a team that's balanced around you to make sure that there is enough of, uh, the strengths and development areas that balance each other out. Um, So certainly the the strategy and execution and and being results-focused, that's always going to be a a core tenant. But also the way that people lead and the way that they um, treat people and the way that they think about uh, their people leadership uh, is a big piece. It used to be, okay, if you got the results and your people leadership was a bit weaker, you could get away with it, but actually now it's, it's much more about Uh, how you balance all those dimensions. And then emotional intelligence certainly comes into play. We've been talking about that for a long time, but um, that is more and more uh, an important factor in terms of the C-suite and thinking about the emotional connection to people.
1: Well, just such great, great information for all of our listeners and, and reminders for those that are in leadership positions about how things are evolving. Like you said, there's going to be those core things, you know, being able to execute, being able to be strategic, all of those key things. But being able to lead in a way that the, the employees today want to follow you, I think, is so critical. And I see that as something that truly is differentiating, you know, wonderful leaders today and future leaders that are just going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm gets me excited Probably. when you when you are coaching and interacting with somebody that really gets it and they're authentic and you know they get this concept of being able to be humble and admit that they don't know something and reach out to people that like you said that can complement them and you know build smart leadership teams you know
0: around you you don't have to have all the answers anymore that's right that's right and and uh, both of our backgrounds in lear- you know learning um, that's that's huge I mean having this just natural curiosity of wanting to learn and reinvent yourself and that's uh, it takes a lot of hard work and John Chambers used to say you know he would reinvent himself every few years and that that was a completely uh, big part of his brand and the way he thought about technology the way he thought about his own personal leadership and being just willing to learn new things every few years and disrupt him, his own self and his own uh, way of doing things and challenging himself, well what if we brought uh, technology to India as we think about the future of healthcare care? Um, and that disrupted his own way of, of thinking about his own leadership. So it's a big part. Great example.
1: So for our listeners who aspire to be senior leaders, what should they be doing today?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it will be different for everyone. There's a few commonalities as people I interviewed for the book and have talked to many other uh, senior executives. But one is there's there's typically no success without um, your own personal board of advisors. And so that can be people who are always giving you honest feedback, who are advising you in terms of your career and thinking through how to evolve your own leadership and a lot of times, that's inside and outside of your company, so sponsorship is, a, is another big thing. We're having an explicit sponsor, and it's talked more about uh, for women leaders, but Sylvia Hewlett, who's done some great work on sponsorship, who's also a dear friend, has done lots of wonderful work and thinking through how everyone really needs a sponsor and somebody willing to go beyond advocacy for you. Um, that's a big part of it. You know, the other is what you touched on, Diana, is making sure you're part of a culture that you're really inspired by. You know, we all have choices in terms of where we work and where we choose to invest our our career and making sure you're just really excited about the company and the culture and the future direction. And if you're not, uh, becoming a free agent and thinking about sort of that second path of maybe being part of a company, but then going to a different company to be in the top spot, uh, that can be uh, really unlocking someone's potential where maybe it wasn't to the fullest at a prior company. That can be a very important part. And then, you know, a lot of it does think through the dynamics that you're going through personally and professionally. Uh, So some of the other steps might be more personalized or might take a different way of manifesting itself but always being willing to learn and and grow and and work on your own self is is something that will serve you well as you think about rising to the c-suite or even middle management
1: it's wonderful advice and i love the You know thing when you said is really just stepping back and looking at yourself and where do you want to go and are you in the right spot um you know the right company are you jazzed up and excited about that that's why i will coach my people to think through because you're spending a lot of time there and if you don't feel like it's clicking and you're motivated and you know inspired to move ahead maybe you should rethink that that's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yep. So in addition to your wonderful book, what other resources do you recommend for people to start developing these skills?
0: You know, I think that uh, that's personal as well. I mean, I think uh, depending on what your growth area is for yourself, I was just uh, uh, coaching someone who I was talking to just before you, where uh, his issue is he's more introverted and uh, finds it hard to draw so much energy as he's thinking about inspiring and motivating uh, large groups of people. And so he's reading uh, Quiet from Susan Cain right now, um, which is just a wonderful book. A lot of introverts are successful C-suite leaders. Sylvia Hewlett is actually coming out with a new book on sponsorship. So if that's something where you really feel like you need a sponsor, you don't have one, you're not sure how to get one, that can also be a resource uh, is you think about even if you're trying to be a better people leader, a lot of what we read, Diana, on coaching can be something uh, that's important for others. And, you know, your book around talent and others' books around talent can be an important part if that's not someone's strength where they're more on the harder side of management versus the the more people oriented, getting more reading and more, thought leadership around talent and coaching can be also an important part to round someone out.
1: Yeah. I, I so agree. I love the resources that you outlined. And, and I think it starts with really understanding your strengths and opportunities. So if you get a chance to do some kind of an assessment or just knowing yourself, like I, I tend to see people that either are really strong with relationships or their natural yep. tendency is strong with results and know what your strength is and then work on that other side. Because if you really want to be the leader of the future in the C-suite, you have to be able to do both hmm That's right. That's right. Exactly. Yep. So let's turn it back to you for a minute. So who has had the greatest impact on your personal life? And why wouldn't you be where you are today without that person's influence?
0: Oh, good question. I mean, there's there's a, quite a few, I have to say. Um, my parents, for one, unfortunately, they're not with us uh, any longer, but they were great um, influencers and I wouldn't be where I I am today without them. You know, I've got great friends. I'm an only child. So um, I have to say that uh, your friends become sort of uh, like your sisters and brothers uh, in many cases. And I had a really uh, influential boss when I was um, in consulting at Balanced Scorecard who's a dear friend now, Laura Downing, who I actually credit her in the book uh, as someone who's been a great influence and mentor. And then I have to say, there was a person um, who was on my dissertation committee, Joe Ryan, um, who I use as a personal uh, advisor now, who made me better. Uh, He was tough on me (laughs) through my dissertation process. (laughs) And people thought I was crazy uh, for wanting to go with sort of tougher feedback uh, at times. And he was really, really helpful and very influential. Wow. Sounds like you've been very blessed. Yeah, it's been great. It's been fun to have such good mentors.
1: So, what final piece of advice do you have for our talent champions?
0: I would say, state your ambition. Many times, we do not state our ambition, and if you want to get to the C-suite or be CEO, say it. Don't worry about looking sort of too ambitious, or people don't know what you want unless you say it. And uh, and it's okay if you don't know that you want that yet. Um, there can be many unanswered parts to that, but if you do want it and know it. Uh, ask and then ask how you get there
1: that's great state your ambition I, I tell women especially you know hope is not yeah. a very good business strategy I'm hoping I get discovered or that they notice me or they know I want to do this so you know you can't get something if people don't know most of the time right. yeah exactly great yep. um, so how can our listeners get in touch with you or learn more
0: so I uh, check LinkedIn daily. I love uh, getting messages there. Um, certainly check Twitter as well, but I check uh, LinkedIn more and um, would love to hear your stories and learn about you and, uh, and stay connected.
1: Well, wonderful. You have inspired me. I have thoroughly enjoyed uh, connecting with you and listening you to you. So thank you so much for your time. And uh, for our listeners, they can check out our our website for more information and uh, we're, we're so excited that you were able to spend the time with us. Well, thank you for having me, appreciate it. Please join us for our next episode where my guest will be Lisa Doyle, Vice President of Global Learning for Booz Allen Hamilton, a Fortune 500 global management and consulting firm. Our topic will be around being the kind of leader that truly resonates with others. You know the kind, a leader others really wanna follow. Specifically, we're going to be discussing having and telling a compelling leadership story. You won't want to miss this one.
0: Thanks for listening to Talent Champions with Diana Thomas. For more information about today's show or to receive more valuable insights, please visit franklincovey.com slash talent champions. If you've enjoyed this podcast, check out Franklin Covey's other podcast, Great Life, Great Career with Scott Miller and Franklin Covey on Leadership, available from your favorite podcast provider.